Hey, TED Talks, the Prometheus Podcast. It's Thursday, and I am incredibly late for work. 100% because I didn't realize it would take so dang long to scrape off my car from all the ice. That's right, the snow wasn't the issue. It was the ice, because apparently, at some point last night, there was rain, and then those rain droplets, like full-on droplets frozen to ice so my car was covered in ice and it was really hard to scrape off not that you really care not that it really matters because I'm on my way to work now but one this winter I definitely haven't had this issue where it was like thick droplets of ice right two I think that's I think it's kind of interesting I've talked about crazy uh weather phenomena before, but I think the craziest is uh, when it's so cold that the second rain droplets hit, it turns into ice. So everything's just, you know, an ice rink. I think those are two way neat um, situations. Like, what's the word I'm looking for? Natural phenomena, sure, we'll go with that. But not really what I want, what I want to talk about today. Uh, what I want to talk about right now is um, uh, Chris Perkins and his recent episode of Between the Sheets. Now, if you don't know who Chris Perkins is, he is one of the lead people on Dungeons and & Dragons and creating those books and those modules and just one of the head guys on Dungeons and & Dragons. And Between the Sheets... Uh, the cast of Critical Role, one of their, not per se cast members, but one of their business members, Brian Foster, does a show where he just kind of sits down and talks to people, and he, he's a really great interviewer, and they talk about, about really interesting things, they go really in depth, but, and I've only watched about half of it, right, I haven't watched the second half, um, so I'm only going off of the first half, but uh, some of the things he said really, I guess, spoke to me, you could say. The first thing was, um, he was talking about when he was submitting adventures that he had written to this Dungeons & Dragons magazine. He was talking about his experiences. He submitted his first one when he was 14 years old. He wrote, like, an adventure and submitted uh, an adventure to this magazine that would allow entries and they would publish these adventures. I think it was a monthly magazine. And, you know, he writes his first adventure and he he gets rejected, gets sent back to him. Anyway, from the ages 14 to 17, he had written 10 adventures from our four this magazine. And they had all gotten rejected. But every time, uh, the publishers or writers of the magazine would get back to them and be like, you know, hey, keep trying. Uh, you can improve on this, this, and this. Um, and they gave him feedback, right? So he was saying, one, the fact that I was getting any sort of feedback was great. And he said, I would always take to heart the feedback they gave me. Like, I would always apply it. If they had any sort of suggestion, I implemented it. You know, because 
in his mind, like they were the professionals, they were the one that that knew how to do this. So he he would heed their words as best as he can. And finally, he said when he was 17 years old, it was you know maybe his 10th or 11th time submitting. Uh, they accepted his adventure that he had submitted. And he said, had that, you know, had that not happened in that sequence, I probably wouldn't be doing what I do for a living. He said, had I not been rejected, you know, ten times and then was accepted, had it been just a one acceptance and then ten failures, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. And he was saying that, you know, if he got accepted his very first time and then ten after that, he would have had the idea of like, well, I guess it was the fluke. I guess it was my one golden opportunity, opportunity, my one 15 minutes of fame. But beyond that, you know. But the fact that it was, you know, 10 rejections, and if they hadn't had given him any feedback, he probably wouldn't have continued with it either. If they hadn't have responded and given him suggestions like, hey, you know, this is what you can improve, he probably wouldn't be doing what he you know, what he's doing now. He probably would have got discouraged, he said. But the fact that every time he submitted something, they wrote back with suggestions on how to improve. And he would implement those. And he would get more used to the style and more used to what they were looking for. And then finally, he got an acceptance. Now, he was like, it's not like everything I submitted after that got accepted. You know, there were still failures. But seeing that improvement from his, you know, the age of 14 to the age of 17 and finally getting accepted, he's like, that is what really drove me into this career path. Which I found that very interesting because, you know, the road to success is has a lot of failures along it. And I think that discourages, you know, that discourages me, definitely. And I think that discourages people in general. But, you know, how often would it be easier or better or more mentally... uh, Or less mentally debilitating if, when we failed, we were getting those things of constructive feedback. You know, we were getting a little bit of recognition. I'll I'll throw out an example... um, in my life very recently and that I've had, you know, plenty of times is when you're applying for a job and, you know, you throw in your resume and you're like, oh, you know, I'm interested to hear what they have to say. And all you get back is, uh, hey, we're going with somebody else at this time. And that's all you get. And you wonder, you wonder like, okay, what was it about my specific circumstance, uh, where they didn't go with me? You know, what could I improve? What what would they like to see in the future? What could I change? What could I add? What could I revise to make me look like a better candidate? So, you know, at my company, I recently applied for a different position. And I, all I got back was, we're going with somebody else. Then my friend keeps asking me, like, oh, have they, you know, did they ever tell you why they aren't going with you? And I'm like, no, they're not, but I figure it's the same reason that they didn't accept me for the last thing I applied for, right? Which, you know, okay, makes sense, because 
they gave me suggestions like, hey, this is really how you can improve. This is where you need to be. And it's like, I am right there. I'm on the cusp. It's uh, like, I've been implementing their suggestions because honestly, their suggestion was just do your job to the standards that are set. And I was like, well, yeah, no, duh, I'm trying. (laughs) So I'm right there. You know, I'm meeting the standards now. Better and more so than I was previously. Um, And though I'm, like, not 100% there, I don't have the QCA title yet. Uh, I know, like, that's that's the direction that I need to go, especially if I want to go anywhere in this company. And it's like, I'm just a hair length away from getting it. So, no big deal on that one. Whatever. Uh, I saw the person that did get the job and they're already pretty high in the company you know high enough to a point where I'm like aren't you going to be taking like a huge pay decrease if you accept this position so that's one thing where I'm like that's that seems like a like a downgrade to your position right now but you know maybe they're in need of a change. That's that's fine on them. Uh, I could understand that. But it, it's it's rough when you, you know, throw out a bunch of applications where you're looking for employment, where you're just looking to, you know, hopefully do something you want to do, but mostly do something that can provide for yourself and, you know, in my case, for my family. And only to get the letter of, nah, you know, we've gone with someone else. So I I find it, you know, incredibly um, fascinating that in his his position, he was always getting feedback. Like, they were always uh, leaving recommendations and comments on his work. And, you know, I'm happy for him, right? I'm happy that those recommendations were the thing that kept him going. And the people that, you know, edited the magazine probably have no clue how much it meant to him to have them edit his work and say, you know, these are the things you can improve on. And they probably have no clue how much he really put that to heart. So I always feel like if you're in a position where you can give feedback, do. And now Chris Perkins is in a position where he is like the lead guy for Dungeons & Dragons. You know, he's making the top decisions for what's gonna get published what are they gonna put out and he's always like I'm leaving comments and recommendations always you know and I'm not gonna he's like I was rejected 10 times before I ever got accepted into this magazine so the people that work for me if there's something that's not production worthy I'm gonna tell them like I'm not gonna be a dick about it but I'm gonna tell them like hey this this isn't to our standards but here's what you can improve so he's passing on that idea of always leaving that feedback in those recommendations and that constructive feedback because that's going to help people so much along the way and I'm you know I don't know if I'm really in a position where I can continually give up-and-comers constructive feedback right but I would like to be in that position and I I also would enjoy constructive feedback on you know, the things I'm doing in life. So, 
I gotta go into work, I'm already late, but little, short little episode uh, about something I found very interesting, um, and something that I'm very interested in, and, you know, hopefully I can apply it to, like, my book when I try and get it out there, but it, it likely won't be a success the first time, but if I could get constructive feedback and implement it into the next thing, that's a win-win. Anyway, I'm heading in. Peace out. Love y'all.